Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. And we're back. What's up, Paul? Not much, man. What's going on? How was your fourth? Oh, it was good. Pretty low key. It rained. It was like thunderstorm all morning. And then it cleared up and the evening was perfect. It got down. It was like 70 degrees and kind of breezy. So it kept the mosquitoes away. We saw a good fireworks show. Kids came back and let off a bunch more stuff in the street. I'll probably get, you know, they have those neighborhood apps like uh, what? What's it called? Yeah, we've we've got one. I can't remember what the heck it's called, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not on it because I think I would I, I would troll people. It would be too fun to troll people. Um, yeah. I'm just waiting to see uh, what comments show up because my wife has it uh, about kids lighting off fireworks at 11.30 p.m. on a Tuesday. You know, I'm sure there might be some people who got mad, but whatever. Yeah, it's all good. Happy birthday, America. That's right. Yeah, how about you? It. How was yours? Yeah, we spent the weekend down at the lake. We rent, we just stayed in a hotel, and then that was close. Uh, that accepted our you know dogs, so then we just drove to the lake every day, about twenty minutes. So it was great. Every day, like four days or three days or what? Yeah, we got down there Friday night, so we we're on the boat Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, and we came back. Uh, we came back the fourth, the morning of the fourth. Nice. Yeah, do they do? Have you ever seen the the fireworks show at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue? No, um, we're gonna go next year. We've got a plan. Really? This year the timing was just bad. So, but next year we got a plan. Yeah, I think that'd so, be cool to see once. Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, it's supposed to be really good. It well um, better be. <laughs> right, we're owe taxpayer be. money. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe it's donations, right? Yeah, from the taxpayer, like your income taxes. Actually, hey, we the, do have a question uh, from a client. If you if we want to, yeah, what is it that I got? So the question came up regarding you know when is the best time you know listening to the episodes and hearing me say that I'll never pay off my mortgage of my forever home or forever homes and why why is that? Because home equity is dead money. Equity in a home should should reside in a place that you can get to it, i.e., in a life insurance contract, preferably whole life. Um. So he got a follow-up question. So I talked to him on on after I left my building today. I was just walking down the street in the rain talking to him. And and then um, I get home and he texted, uh, what about refinancing and do a, like a HELOC instead of, you know, refinancing the mortgage and pulling the cash out? Mm-hmm. Um, and I say, that, you know, the answer I, I would say is, is, is it depends on your personal situation. You know, HELOC rates are high right now. Uh, you know, it is a simple interest thing that you only get charged interest on when you're drawing on the on the HELOC. So it's a nice place to just have some cash that just in case you you need it for something, whether it's inventory or a home repair or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but then the other side of me is like, I'm trying to get away from doing business with banks as much as possible because mm-hmm. that's inflationary. I'm contributing to the problem, which we're going to get to talk about a little bit more later. And, you know, why go through the, unless I need the cash, why go through the pain of 
going through the process to get a to get a HELOC. So yeah, um, I don't know, but not a bad bank product. I, I have a couple of HELOCs myself, and I use them when it makes sense. So I don't think it's a terrible thing to do if you're going to use it in the right way. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and I think what you're talking about really is it's replacing your mortgage with a first position HELOC. So you no longer have a mortgage; you just have an outstanding balance due on a HELOC. Is that what you're talking about? No, he's talking about t tapping the partial equity okay. of the home. So say the equity, say the home's a million bucks. He's got three hundred fifty thousand dollars of equity. Right. Being able to tap some of that equity just to have another pool of cash that he could use for something. For what? Yeah. Right. I mean, right. back when times are good, people tap that equity typically to go buy a new boat, right? Or yeah. do something really stupid. Right. Um, and when times are tough, they would like to tap that equity to just pay bills if they needed to. But if that's, you know, if that's where you're at, you could have 350000 in equity and the bank may only let you, you know, give you access to 100 because all they care right. about is what's your, what's your ability to perform and pay that back. That's right. You could have like, you know, people, a lot of people are house rich, especially right now. If they've stayed in their house for the last 10 or 15 years. All my neighbors. Yeah. So they get to put that on their, their net worth, their asset sheet, right? On the asset column. Like, look, I have $800,000 of net worth in my primary residence. That's great. The only way you're going to get access to 800,000, I'm guessing, uh, pretty, probably a pretty good guess though, is by selling your home. That's right. You're not going to go to the bank and they're not going to give you any ac access to anywhere close to 800,000. They're right. just not. Yep. So, um, I don't know, but that first position HELOC is an interesting thing. I, I, I looked into that and, yeah. uh, I was real close to doing that at one point. Um, and then the bank turned me down cause I had just quit my, my W2 job and started working for myself. So they didn't like that. Um, so they said no. Um, but, uh, that, that's kind of cool because it's it's basically principal only. Principal only mortgage. It's principal only mortgage, which is great, especially when you see that amortization table and you're paying, you know, eighty percent to ninety percent of your monthly uh, mortgage payment goes towards interest. Yeah. Uh, right away, it's it's yeah, it makes your stomach hurt. It's it's certainly better than a thirty year amortized mortgage. Yeah, I think so. As long as you use it responsible, because you have access to all that cash. As soon as you pay right. that, you know, right. put put a couple grand into it, you have access to a couple grand. Let's say, right? Is that going to no, be a temptation be, for you? Right. It needs to be treated as kind of like a policy loan repayment. We shouldn't be taking policy loan out of our, you know, against our our death benefit unless we've made provisions to pay it back. So no different, right? But it, yeah. you could tell, you know, people are going to abuse that, abuse that HELOC, and and they that that's how they get in trouble. It is, and and. It's good to have in a pinch. Like I, I, I use my HELOC when I was starting my real estate business, you know, five, six years ago, whenever that was, and uh, I had to dig into that HELOC some months because I didn't make any money. So right. that's where I was going. I also had whole life insurance I could have dug into, but the HELOC was just super easy. It was there, super easy tr transfer in and out. Yeah, my my HELOCs are kind of um, my break glass cash. Yeah. It's kind of how I treat it. Like it's it's nice. It's there. Um, if I have to do a deal, the money's you know it's lightning quick. You know, obviously a mite faster than a policy loan, which will take a few days. But 
then I'll just take the policy loan out and replenish that HELOC. So that's kind of how I, that's kind of how on a personal level, how I use my HELOCs, but it's very strategic, yeah. you know, have purpose, intent, and an end state to, you know, get fruit from the banks eventually anyway. So. Yeah. And I think most IBC users could, could utilize a HELOC responsibly. Yes. Um, you know, I've talked a few people out of using their HELOC to fund a policy and put a, yep. you know, big, you know, single paid up, um, yep. lump sum in the first year. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't like that. It's not my style. Yeah. Um, I've had that, that conversation as well. And I, I, I think you, I think you hit it right on the head, you know, maybe in a, in a rare case, but I mean, can you, yes, you, you're yes. the banker can do what he wants. Right. Right. Um, but the Those banker would be can financed also financed premiums, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, they would. Yeah, um, but the banker can also go out of business if he doesn't do things right. Yeah. So That's there's right. an, there's an example in Nelson's book about that. So yeah, that's a fun conversation though. There, it's a good tool to have access to. I think a HELOC, if used just like anything else, credit smart credit used smartly is a good thing. That question was from our shared client. And business owner, Randy. All right. Yeah, you just talked to him, right? Yeah, literally today. Nice. Always great to talk to him and, and uh, great guy. Well, we've got a comment on a YouTube channel, and um, it wasn't a question. It was just a comment and a, a very nice one, um, I think, from Food Peace and Self-Care. It says, dang, these episodes are so short. Sad face. Thank you, boys. Happy 4th of July. So... Thanks for the comment. Um, because of that, I think we're going to do a marathon, like four-hour episode today, long form, go Joe Rogan style. Yeah. And we'll bring in some people off the street and just talk to them. <laughs> hey, what if we actually brought in somebody who knew nothing about infinite banking and just grill, just introduce the concept to them and and um, answer all of their questions live? What do you think of that idea? I think it's a great idea. I'm trying to figure out how we'd find someone off the street That'd be interesting. I could take, uh, I, I don't know. I just thought of that. I think that'd be kind of fun. We could demonstrate what if it's to everybody. somebody that we know. Yeah, I think it would need to be somebody we know, but they don't that's, know anything about IBC. Right. That's, yeah. That maybe we would consider them the, the, the typical, you know, American household. Somebody right. like that. I don't want to call somebody the average or, or typical American because that's demeaning. Uh, to, to somebody who's a bit above average. But um, yeah, that could be a cool future episode. So yeah, maybe we'll do that because that's fun. I mean, that's basically what Paul and I do all day long with prospects is have meetings with people we've never met before Yeah, and just answer their questions. It's a, um, it's a lot of Q&A and, uh, and it's, all over the, it's all over the map too. There's a some that have tons of questions, some that have very few and kind of everything in between. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we'll do that. That'd be, that could be fun. Um, a good challenge for us. So, or maybe we'll just record one of our, our calls with a new client or new prospect and, yeah. and use that as an episode with our permission. So yeah. Anyway, cool. Well, let's move on, man. Um, so we kind of alluded to what we wanted to talk about today. You, I mean, you mentioned some things that are going to be on our list to, to talk to, but really we're, we're brainstorming and you came up with the idea of like, 
Hey, how does IBC, how does using the infinite banking concept strengthen the American family, American culture, American economy, all of the above? How does it strengthen our country in all of those ways? So I think it would be fun to kind of, to just talk about that. You know, mention a lot of stuff uh, Nelson says in the book, like you'll understand it if you read Nelson's book, um, all of these points probably come straight out of his book anyway, uh, that we'll talk about. But so what, what would you say, Paul, what's one of the biggest ways this benefits America and Americans, this concept? Well, um, <clears throat> well, I think as students of history, you can go back and look at what has screwed up a lot of great civilizations, you know, whether it's invasion or inflation or something else, famine, whatever. But certainly, and we're approaching this as is a lot of the, uh, I guess, Western enlightened countries. Uh, we have an extreme amount of debt in this country as a, as a nation, right? 32 trillion or something. And then, you know, un unfunded liabilities of another whatever, 100 trillion or something. It's a, it's an, it's, it's, it's the amount of zeros that, you know, I tried to show Anthony on a, on the iPhone. I was like, I had to turn the phone sideways. Just yeah, it's unfathomable. Yeah. Like, you, you can't even imagine it, right? Right. It's, it's, it's an obscene amount of money. So, but likewise, the average American family, and we were talking about this before we, uh, before we went live was, you know, how many American families can lose one or both incomes and survive for a month? without tapping, without swiping her credit card or two months without swiping, you know, and, and folks, you know, do that exercise with yourself, uh, as we've learned in, in, in 2020, like probably the worst year ever, yeah. uh, in our lifetime, quite honestly, um, you know, the best year in our lifetime was obviously 1979, you know, year Dave and I were born, but it's a good year for everybody else too. Yeah. Good year. <laughs> as we entered the world, Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but when we when we have <clears throat> when we have government shutting down the economy and you can't work because you're told to stay in your house and wear a mask and stay six feet away from the people that you live with, which is absolutely idiotic. But that's a different uh, different discussion, different podcast. Yeah. You know, but how long can you survive? So, IBC, I think, creates the mindset, creates the entity to address. You know, what Nelson in the book calls on page 17 and 18, what, you know, he talks about the problem. And we often talk about the problem. Um, and to me, in this discussion, the problem is undercapitalization. Yeah. Most people are severely undercapitalized. And why are they severely undercapitalized? Like, you're talking, what if somebody's got a good, you know, a couple of good paying jobs in the household, they've got solid 401ks they put a lot of money there they've got a lot of equity in their home how could they possibly be undercapitalized i mean what does that actually well, mean you just said it right <laughs> do you pick and hopefully everyone picked up on it at least our listeners would he mentioned a lot of home equity and he mentioned 401ks both of those things are not liquid and not under your control you have to ask someone else's permission 
to get to the money in your home, your equity in your home, or the loan feature if your 401k custodian has one, and then there's a max of generally $50,000 or 50% of the account's value. And that might have changed in some recent tax law changes. I'm not sure, but that's what it has been for a long time. Right. Now, you can so, liquidate that 401k if you want. Yeah. Right? Um, but you'll just be stuck with paying 10% penalties plus income tax yep. on that amount. Huge tax bill. That's yeah. right. Big, and big can old you, tax Can you pay bill. it? Yeah. And and they're not going to give you, they're going to withhold those taxes too. Um, yes. I was I lucky because yeah. in 2020 in the CARES Act, they didn't withhold anything. You had the right. option. Yeah. Because you got to pay it back over three years, right? Yeah. Pay the taxes. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. But so, yeah, you could do that. And I mean, I've, I know people who've liquidated their 401ks because they're just fed up with it. They're like, I'm going to take the hit now because I'm done. And uh, I want this money now. I want to put it to work now. Um, I'm not advising that. Um, but of course, that's an option. But right. under capitalization, you don't have access to capital, whether that's your own cash or a line of credit somewhere. Um, you know, uh, just not having access to capital. That's a huge problem because what does that force you to do if you if you don't have capital? It backs you into a corner and you lose, you know, you're going to be, whatever you do, you're going to be doing from a position of weakness, I think is what you're getting at. Um, and then, you know, maybe you make some, make some poor decisions because you're backed into that corner and you just don't know, you don't really know what to do. And that's, you know, and Nelson says this, right? That just, it's not, sounds like an awful way to live. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. It sounds like giving up a lot of personal liberty and personal freedoms uh, because you don't have capital. Anybody who says money's not that important doesn't understand money. Either that or they're just lazy and they don't want to go work for it. Um, or maybe they just, they're like a, like a Hilton or something and they just, you know, yeah, right. In, they inherit a bunch or But even or if whatever. they thought about it, they would realize actually money is very important because I couldn't have this lifestyle without it. But That's right. money is extremely important. Um, you know, it, if you read the Bible, I believe Jesus talks about money more than he talks about heaven. Like that's how important money is. Yep. Not saying money should be your desire and your goal, right? But that's how important it is because the debtor is the slave to the lender. And it puts you in positions where you have to make decisions one between doing something you don't want to do or feeding your family, you know, right. or you can stand by your principles and your family can starve, or you can give up your freedoms and do something against your will so that your family can eat. And that's what 2020 was all about. A yep. lot of people were in the corner where they did something they did not believe in, did not want to do, but they felt they had no choice. Because how else were they going to bring money in to feed their family? Yeah. They have, it was do this or lose your job. Exactly. No matter how illegal and unconstitutional everybody knew it was, that was, that was the world at that yep. time, right? So, folks, remember who was doing that to you. I mean, that's very important to remember and not forget who was advocating for that. Um, and uh, as a side note, and just to reiterate, and I've said this before, and you've said this before, you know, by 
by putting your money into qualified plans, you are getting into business with those people. With those same people. That, that don't like you. Yeah. And we're not talking Democrats or Republicans. We're talking all of them. None yep, of them I like didn't, you. Yeah, that's right. They like your money. And what they like, though, what they like and what that 30 plus trillion dollars worth of debt represents is the future work of Americans. That the only thing backing that debt to the rest of the world is the American work ethic. Yeah, future productivity. And our productivity. Right. The fact that yeah. we're the most productive country in the world. Um, but man, even that's taking a big hit. But that's that's what's backing that debt. That's the only thing guaranteeing it is the not the good faith and trust of the American government. It's the 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 bet that the American people are going to continue to work their butts off to earn a living. I love when I hear reporters say like the full faith and credit or their or politicians say that. I'm like, do you what credibility do you think you have? You know, you know, with your own citizenry, number one, but throughout the world, yeah, like. Probably, probably not much. Last time I checked, you know, the con you know congressional approval rating was uh, it's fairly low, like in the twenties. Yeah, which is a surprise. It's even that high, but I know, right? Like, who, who are the, I want to meet these people? This, this twenty percent of people giving them a good approval rating. It's all those people getting that compo, you know? The They're compo. Getting, yeah, that's what the Australians call it. Compensation. Oh, they call yeah. it, you know, they shorten everything. Compo. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to send you a video later where the guy talks about it. it's hilarious. But uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I don't know what inspired this topic, but I was listening to a podcast or something the other day, and it just it just occurred to me um, that IBC, you know, kind of building that ten percent as as Carlos and and uh, Bob talked about. Um, that's what. That can really make a nation strong is it's, you know, that the individual is financially stable, financially sound. Yeah. And can say no, like, hey, I don't need that. I don't need that handout. Thank you very much. You can keep that. It's not going to influence how I act or what I believe or how I vote. Right. Just like the strength of the family unit is, you know, you know, if the family goes, the country goes. Yeah, I think, no question. Uh, yeah, I think that's undisputed. So that's the, the culture. The, yeah, yeah. You kill and the it, culture, you kill the country. Exactly. And that's exactly. What, you know, we're getting a little off topic, but that's what we're seeing. Um, some of it is from fin you know financial issues, obviously, but a lot of it's just you know the moral fiber of the country is in rapid a uh, you know, and it's all by design. Yeah, it is. You know, we're trying to take down some American icons like. Anheuser-Busch. Um, and it's sad, man. It's sad. You know, one, um, you know, you can, whether you boycott them or not, that's your personal choice. The sad part is, man, it's, yeah, you're, you're hurting the company, but it's also hurting those workers at the plant. There's a couple plants that have closed couple down. Bottle, bottling a couple plants bottling that plants that are going to shutter, I think. Real good Americans working at those plants because the company that they, they work for, you know, made a bad made a bad bet so that marketing executive was like a harvard grad and i think went to wharton or something yeah like brilliant brilliant, brilliant marketing strategy way to know your base my goodness anyway Need, yeah but you know back to 
more reasons why this is a, a good thing for the American and, and America. Um, you, by becoming your own banker and creating your own banking system and not doing business with banks or doing less business with banks, because of course you still have to do business with banks. There's no way around it. You got to have a, a clearing account for that, uh, for your cash value loan to come into, right? And to, and to put it back in, to send it back to the company. You have to do business with them at, at some point, but you can minimize the amount of business you do with banks, which also does what? If you're not going to a bank to get that car loan or that home loan, like that, that'll be amazing when I can buy a home without going to a bank. Oh, goodness. But if you don't have to do that, what are you not participating in? Fractional inflation reserve. Air, fractional reserve banking. Inflation. Yeah, fraction, fractional reserve banking and, and inflation, right? Because that's what it is. So, um, man, imagine, and that's why Carlos says if you could do 10%, per, if 10% of the country would do this, we can make a huge impact in the banking industry. Yeah, no question. And the economies. Central banking is terrible. Um, and if you guys don't know, you can just look up what fractional reserve banking or fractional reserve lending is. It's how banking is done the world round. And it's been like that for over 100 years. It's not good. It's what makes... I always wanted this as a child. I remember my mom telling me when I was a kid in the 50s and 60s, you know, a loaf of bread was a nickel. Yeah. Or 25 cents, whatever the heck she told me. And I always wondered, I was like, why did things get more expensive? I remember thinking this as like a 10-year-old child. And I couldn't, and I never really thought of, you know, asked my my father or my mom, you know, what, you know, why is that? But, uh, and now it's obvious, it's fairly obvious, even though things should, things like that shouldn't get more expensive. Right. They should get cheaper. It should get cheaper. technology should make it easier to produce that stuff. Right, in some Which things, it has. right, and it, you know, some in some cases things have got gotten cheaper. Uh, I think of like flat screen TVs, LED TVs, calculators, sure, Cal- everything, calculators. yeah, like yeah. technology. Things that gets the government cheaper. doesn't touch plastic surgery, LASIK eye surgery. That's you know, a couple hundred bucks out the door each eye. You know, it's not. Yeah, twenty years ago that was for the elites. Now it's for anybody. Man, who's uh, who's Buick? Are you getting your eye surgery out of? I don't know. You could get it for a couple hundred bucks an eye. Yeah, now now you can. There's ads really? all over the place on the radio for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the taxpayer paid for mine. So yeah, I was just born with perfect eyes. <laughs> you were born superior, superior genes like <laughs> Dwight Schrute. Yeah. <clears throat> so st- stop participating in fractional reserve banking. Right. A- another thing that helps the family unit is conquering all these human, these laws of human nature and they're really tendencies of human nature, right? Cause you can conquer them. But what is, you know, one of them Nelson talks about big time is Parkinson's law. Um, yeah, you know, it works in so many different things like, um, expenses will rise to meet your income. Right. Right. Like, I don't know how many clients I have who, who make really good money on an annual basis. But because of you know wealth erosion, like taxes, one yep. obviously is the biggest and, and first, and then lifestyle creep, lifestyle. all the other yep. expenses, um, they just don't really have as much to show for it as you would think they would, you know, if you were making that kind of money for a certain number of years. So, yeah, uh, 
you know, Nelson addresses it in the book, you know, lifestyle. You know, he mentioned, he does mention boats a couple of times, doesn't he? Yeah, you've got uh, cars, you've got boats. Um, yeah. But yeah, you haven't, do. but you don't get those things on credit, right? I mean, you've got the capital to pay for those things if you want yeah. to. You know, I think when we bought the boat, we took out a 10-year loan on it um, and then paid it off, you know, quicker than that. This was before I really understood what I was doing with money. I wanted to pay it off as quickly as possible, and I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I certainly wouldn't be buying. We do, we certainly don't buy things we couldn't afford, right? So. Yeah. That. So I mean, that's playing honest banker. Yeah, and the other thing, kind of like we've talked about too, is I like using the strategy of when I, like you're buying. We could talk about this, folks. Dave's Dave's buying, um, you know, a new a new car. I just did. It just just did. Uh, and once July. again, I was consulted. You were. You're my car guy. You're my car guru. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got that the day after Hannah's birthday. I even asked the dealer. I was like, do you got one of those big bows that you see on the stupid car commercials? And he's like, people ask us all the time, and we don't have them. I don't know why. Yeah, hint. Go get some. Go get some, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, what the heck was I going to say, though? Um, oh, but when I want to pay for something that I want... I, I create an income stream, whether that's actively doing, maybe I'm doing more life insurance business, or maybe I'm, you know, selling lemonade at the, at the, at the county pool or whatever, I'm making things up, or I'm investing <laughs> in real estate to create a passive income flow to pay for that thing that I want. And once you're in that mindset of doing things like that, you can, you can get the things that you want, like a nice new car or a boat right. or and of course my boat's nine years old you know it's yeah you know it's not like i get a new boat every other year yeah just like i mean right before we went live i was talking about how i plan to to yeah. use my capital to fund something that will make the monthly payment for that car and of course if all that capital were in a 401k or an ira or something like that some kind of qualified plan you wouldn't be able to do that because no, money, I'd be paying out of pocket. I'd be like, okay, be, now I got to come up with this much more yep. money every single month to pay, or I have this much less disposable money to mess around with every month. But no, now I have capital and I can go put it to work somewhere and an opportunity that's come my way that I know how much I need to put away to earn enough to pay for that car every month, make the car payment. Exactly right. And the extra insurance payment, right? Just throw that in on top as well. Yep. You know, it really goes back to it goes back to the mindset of of the of the IBC practicer, the person practicing IBC in their life. Pra practicer, yeah, is that practicer. A word? I don't know. I, we should... practitioner is, but that's a different. We're practitioners, yeah. but you're a, an IBC user. A user of IBC. Practicer. A user of. I don't know if that's a a word, man. Could I know. Be. I want to make it a word. Okay. If bling is a word. Boom. I can make Just practicer done. a word. It's a word. It's a word. Yep. But anyway, one practicing IBC. Okay. Um, he or she is looking for those opportunities, right? They're, they're thinking, how can I get a month of rent free? How can I finance this car purchase? How can I finance this home down payment? Whatever it is, how can I finance my child's college education? Um, and because they're putting capital in a place that they can touch without penalty, mm -hmm. without tax, 
without permission. The life, cha- the, the life changes of that entire family. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, just the, the light bulb moments you'll have as a practicer and yeah, that the, the freedom for your so you family. You just keep saying it and it becomes, I know it, it already sounds normal. more like a word. Uh, you're Googling it right now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh, and then one of the biggest things, what well, you just hit on it, you know, probably the final thing I wanted to say was imagination. Huh. Is that a word? Well, it's a British word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> we, I was on a phone call. I was on a Zoom call with, a, with our private lending team. And we yeah. have a, a couple of Brits on that call. And it was July 3rd. And we were doing a, a team call. And oh, I yes. signed off and I said, hey, everybody have a great happy 4th of July. Suck it, England. And uh, we'll see you guys next. You know, see you guys in a couple of days. Oh, so that's good. Y- you got to give them crap. It's not their fault they were born there. Yeah, nobody's nobody's perfect. I'm actually um, <laughs> I'm re-listening to uh, Bill O'Reilly's book, Killing England. Oh, I haven't heard the, that one. I haven't, it's I haven't good. listened to that one. You know, he. You know, you just learn different things. Yeah, uh, reading. I like the way I like books. the way his ghost writer writes. You yes, know, Bill didn't write a single word of those books. Yeah, they're well researched, very and well narrated. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there's always there's always just those little details. Like I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. But, well, so I hope everybody kind of can wrap their heads around why now uh, IBC is not just good for you as an individual, but good for your family, good for the American economy, good for culture, like so many different things. Taking personal responsibility, which I think is one of the key components of IBC, is you're taking personal responsibility. You're not abdicating your financial future to to some unknown hedge fund manager or market maker or even a known person, you know, your best friend who, who works in the markets, you're not advocating anything. You're taking control and taking personal responsibility. And then, um, you know, if it fails, it's on you. If it goes well, it's because you played honest banker and you were smart with the way you, uh, you went about it. So, you know, personal responsibility is one of the hallmarks, uh, I think of what made America, America. We need to get back to that and start teaching it to your kids too, right? That's yeah. We need more practicers of IBC. We need more practicers. So it is a word. Okay, good. It is a word in England. No, no, they just spell it differently. It's actually they spell it with an S. It's a derivative of practice. Okay, but we also talked about Dave. That was that was a great a great summary. Uh, You know, we talked about. You know, the family, right, being important, uh, uh, the family unit being important. Um, and we all know, I had a, um, an elementary school classmate, you know, posted our, you know, our mom passed away recently. And, uh, and she was like my second grade CCD teacher. Love, you know, just a, a wonderful lady, super, super friendly. And, and um, but always go, it always goes back uh, to... You know, I think of my own family and, you know, our parents are all getting up there and and uh, had IBC started in their generation. If they had started practicing IBC, 
with some sort of cash flow way back in the 1970s when they're all young buying whole life insurance with dividends going back into buy oh, yeah. paid up additional insurance every year right how big those contracts would be and gosh would that windfall be nice for the next generation or the surviving spouse if there is one right um no one's ever gonna be like oh no i don't no keep that um, right that becomes now premium for the next generation or policy loan repayment or mm -hmm. you know and david stern's told that story of uh before nelson passed of hey do you have any policy loans outstanding and he's like good yeah good you're gonna get a windfall exactly so you got plan windfall plan for that yeah so awesome man well hey good summary and uh good topic we could keep going but you know i think most people like the shorter episodes you know 30 ish minutes um so i think we'll just keep it at that i'm not a big uh fan of talking too much anyway so all right yeah. man just pay your damn premium pay pay your premium on time that could be an episode <laughs> that's a good one it sounds like something james would say yeah, I just paid I just paid my uh fourth premium on one of my policies. My my bigger my bigger policy. So nice. It's always a good it's always good. That's fun. It's fat it's amazing how quickly the years go by when you're like, wow, I've had this policy for four years, five years, had a policy for you know thirteen years now. Like it goes yeah. fast. It, it goes real it does. Fast. And people will always say that too, don't they? They're always like, man, I can't believe it's my third or fourth premium already. I, I yeah. Like we just started, we were just talking about, hey, Paul, what's this IBC thing? Exactly. Or, hey, Dave, what's this IBC thing, right? It's, uh, no, it's yep. great. Yeah. So. Well, all right, everybody. Hey, have a, have a good week and uh, enjoy the summer weather while you can. And until next time, control your capital. Or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.